Hey, business building warrior. Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We've got a whole new episode for you today as we are plowing through the very exciting fourth quarter. That's the final three months of the year. The busiest shopping season of the year for consumers is out there buying all those Christmas presents, right? Getting ready for the holidays. Hey, I hope you're having a good time enjoying the holidays with your family. Merry Christmas to you and yours. And God bless you. This is a tough time of year for a lot of people, uh, especially those of us as business building warriors. You know, we're celebrating the holiday season with our family and friends. We're also trying to manage our business at the same time. It's a lot of pressure. It can be. So our prayer for you is that it's going really well for you, that you're managing that. Well, if this is your first time or second time going through it, it's a bit of a whirlwind. (laughs) And especially those of us selling on Amazon where sales are exploding. But here's the good news. There's not a lot of pressure for you to capitalize on these very short-term opportunities on Amazon. You can take your time. You can enjoy December. You can enjoy January, February, March. These months are just months on the calendar for those of us doing the replans model because that means we're selling boring everyday items that continue to sell well consistently year-round. So don't put a lot of unnecessary pressure on yourself. I just wanted to share that with you as we start today's episode because I'm going to bring on Brian and Robin Joy Olson in a second. They're going to give us a lot of really good tips. It's not too late to really take advantage of the fourth quarter, the opportunities that are here. It might be a little too late to send inventory into Amazon, but if you're willing to do some merchant fulfilling, you can be selling stuff as it's sitting in your shopping cart, taking advantage of some of these great holiday opportunities that are presented to you because of the sales and things that are going on even well after the holidays. There's opportunities there, these seasonal opportunities. So I'm going to let Brian and Robin Joy take it away and enjoy this episode as we head into December, I think, of uh, 2023. I think this is going to serve you very well to kind of help get you in the right mindset. Also, I want to mention two more quick things. One, if you don't have the latest version of the Silent Sales Machine book yet. That's the book that's been rewritten 11 times. It's sold over a million copies. It has about 1,100 five-star reviews on Amazon, but I want to give it to you for free. Just text the word free to 507-800-0090 or jump into the show notes for today's episode. You'll see the phone number there and a link where you can email us for a free copy as well. We'd love to send that to you. It's a book that will help you decide what e-commerce business is right for you, what you should avoid, where all of those pitfalls are based on my 20 plus years experience of e-commerce, plus all the great leaders in our community contributing their ideas to this book. It's really going to help steer you in the right direction. I think encourage you as well that we truly do live in the greatest time in human history to launch and grow a business using the internet is an incredible opportunity that you have in front of you. Very low risk, very high odds of building something special. The other announcement the Proven Conference tickets will be going on sale very soon. The website is theprovenconference.com. Get over there, sign up for notification. It's going to be in May of 2024, but that'll be here before we know it. We're locking in some great speakers. We've got our keynote speaker nailed down. It's going to be a tremendous time in Orlando, Florida, May 23rd through 25th. Plan on coming a couple days early. We've got a surprise we're going to be telling you a lot more about in the coming days. You can get a sneak peek of what we've got planned by going to provenamazoncourse.com slash 100. That's 100. provenamazoncourse.com slash 100. That's going to be a workshop held before our event, our three-day event at the same resort by none other than 
the two guest hosts I'm getting ready to bring on right now, Brian and Robin Joy Olson. So enjoy this episode. Gave you a lot of resources in the intro. It's a busy time of year, but slow down, relax, enjoy the holiday season with friends and family. That's my advice to you. And God bless you, business building warrior. Let's jump into the episode with Brian and Robin Joy. Enjoy this one. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your co-hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Robin Joy. And this is Coach's Corner. Let's talk about three ways to maximize your profitability when you're shopping the holiday sales. Hmm. Okay. Popular sales right now, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, but the local stores will also participate. So here are three ways that will help you maximize your profitability. Number one, remember, if it's on sale for you, it's on sale for everyone. Mm -hmm. So the going rate on Amazon is likely to be reflected eventually. In other words, it may look good now, but after the final price adjustment, you may not experience much as much profitability. Remember, Keepa is your friend. Number two, not all items bought for Q4 need to sell before the end of the year. January is also a great month for gift card redemption and for people buying for themselves what they didn't get as a gift. Mm-hmm. And number three, the scarcity of some seasonal items can actually be extended. Oh, it can. Well, let's talk about all those three things, Brian. Okay. Okay. You said first, if it's on sale for you, it's on sale for everybody. And that might affect you. How might that affect me? If I go find something on sale, it looks great because I can shave down what I have to pay for it and build my profit based on what it looks like I can sell it for. Well, that's just it. Right now, when you're looking at uh, items that are on sale, you're referencing or, or comparing it to the sales price that it is going for today on Amazon. Mm-hmm. But that sales price, if it's an arbitrage type play, mm-hmm. is based on, I mean, the sales price on Amazon is, is based, like, likely to change. Is likely to change because that that price is based on what everyone is buying it for today, not or yesterday, not before it was on sale or not while it was on sale. Right. So right? we'll probably see some adjustment right. for that sales price for people who, if they have a, you know, 5% uh, sales margin that are um, return on investment that they need, it's going to be 5% on that sale price in a minute. They're probably going to go down. So you want to maximize profitability. How do we do that? How do we manage that item? So there are a couple of different ways to approach this. Number one is you can try and be faster than everybody else. I'm going to buy it, get Get expedited shipping, get as fast as I can before Mm -hmm. that price, the adjustment really happens on Amazon. Sure. Right. Or just take that into accountability. If you know that the price is going to, what you're paying for it is going to be 30% less, Mm -hmm. then when you're doing that sourcing, make sure that if the ultimate sales price on Amazon is 30% less, that it still meets your minimum profitability requirements. Right. Right. That's you the, still want to make sure you're protecting your capital. Right. Yeah. Make sure you have capital protection in place, accounting for a potential lower sales price based on the sale uh, resale price on Amazon, based right. on the sales price that everyone is getting it right. for during, you know, Black Friday. Right. Okay. That's good. So tell me a little bit more about items that are bought for Q4 that I feel like I need to sell those by the end of the year because the season's going to be over. Mm-hmm. What do I need to remember about that? Yeah, let's just keep in mind that there are some exceptions here, mm-hmm. um, but not everything needs to sell by Christmas or by New Year's in order for you to actually uh, still be profitable on that item. Some exceptions. If you're buying Christmas lights, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? If you're buying a, a Christmas decor, mm-hmm. uh, those things are absolutely going to tank and slow down after, you know, about the 20th or so of, of December. Probably. Right. Yes. Um, 
you can still sell them, but you might have to put them on a fire sale in order to get them gone because people are worried about packing up what they already have, not buying new stuff. True. Um, People do buy things after the first of the year, though. Um, I think they expect them to be heavily discounted a lot of the times. Uh, You know, experiment with it, I would say. See what... It's like Halloween candy. The day after Halloween, it's at least half price, if not more, right? (laughs) Yeah, so we want you not not to just count it out. Right. But to consider what that means. But other things that are not necessarily decor related or not necessarily have a time frame on them. These are other gift items. These are other items that sell all throughout the year. Remember that January is a very popular month for mm-hmm. people redeeming gift cards that they got as a present. That's okay? true. And so now they're out buying, right. you know, redeeming those gift cards on things that Right. Didn't have to sell in December. They can also sell in January. And that's going to all happen after Christmas, right? After Christmas, yes. Okay. And if they didn't get a gift card and they still wanted it, they're probably still going to go shopping in January anyway. <laughs> probably. We've always found that January is as good a month as December. Can be. So yeah. the trick here is don't stop sending stuff in, right? If you're doing replans or if you're buying stuff for the holidays, just don't stop sending it in. As long as you have the expectation that it may not sell before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't want the lull to happen in January because you spent three weeks off. Yes. Unless you're planning for it. Then yes. Absolutely. Take three Make weeks sure off. You right. Can you plan? Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. So the scarcity of some seasonal items is, and that's what you're talking about. No, this is different. Okay. So what's, what's that mean? The scarcity of some seasonal items can be extended. Yeah. I love this part and I've, I've said it before, but there are a lot of seasonal items that are, Obviously, they're only available for a limited amount of time during the year, but the desire to have them is year round. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe a little bit less in the middle of summer. Maybe not everyone loves their pumpkin spice latte in the middle of, <laughs> you know, June, but there but are certainly through January, February, and even March sometimes. Absolutely. Pumpkin spice is still going to be. And when there's, when there's limited run on these things, when it's out in the stores, it's out. That's it's out for the season. So if you have some of that, stock of whatever those items are that there was a limited time or limited production on them mm-hmm. then and it, I, I love to use the example of, of certain holiday themed uh, flavors of cookies cakes different mm-hmm. things like that that we uh, we tend to enjoy during the holiday season when the holiday season is over though and most of people have sold out of those things come March people still want their you know peppermint mocha mm-hmm and if you still have some in stock, then you will sell it. That's right. Right. That's right. So that's yeah, what I mean price. by, yeah, that's what I mean by the scarcity of some of those seasonal Okay. Items. I like that. Okay. I like that. So, so that's good stuff. Sales can be a great way to grow your inventory, but don't forget to potentially adjust your strategy accordingly. Good. Good plan. All right. I want to talk about three ways that your sales aren't picking up when you expect them to. So you want to ask yourself some questions. How many of the items are available in the prime window? How many of them have gotten there and are available to the customer within uh, their prime shipping times? What it has been, has it been, sorry, eight to 10 weeks since you shipped those items in? Have your shipments been consistent or sporadic? And then one more that I want to talk about as bonuses, is it Q4? (laughs) Because things might be delayed in Q4. All right, let's unpack that a little bit. All right. What do you mean when you say are items available in the prime window? Okay, so the prime window is when I, as a shopper, expect to get my item within 48 hours. You'll see that sometimes Amazon goes ahead and puts things up for sale, but it says in their prime 
you know, FBA items that would be eventually prime, but they're not quite ready to ship those out within 48 hours. This is something that happens in different places. This is where the multidimensional buy box comes in a lot of times because it might be available in 48 hours to me, but not the person that's actually doing the ordering across the country. So the prime window I'm talking about is, can I get it within 48 hours? Is it in that in that prime window? And how would I know if my items are available in the prime window? If you look at your items and see that they're available and they're available within 48 hours, not four days, five days, six days, they're with, available within five, five days, I would consider those within the prime window. Or if they're in your available column in your manage all inventory. That's, is that what, you're That's looking what I was for? going yeah. for, yeah. Yes, that is usually the way I look at it because it might be available for some people, but not others. Right. But I can tell that it's available for someone if it's available in my manage all items in the available column. Right. So your manage inventory in Seller Central. Yes. The uh, available column, available units column is def- is there by default. You can also mm-hmm. add other columns relative to your inventory about that will show you like if things are an sure. FC transfer or, or customer ordered or what have you. But but available is the key, key factor there. Agreed. All right. Agreed. Good. Why do I have to wait eight to 10 weeks uh, after I sent my shipment? What the heck? Well, so you want to be sending shipments in every week, every week consistently. And it will take several weeks before those first ones become available to the customer, especially within the prime window. So think about how this works, Brian. If I'm ordering things online, I'm going to go and find, you know, do my sourcing. I'm going to find ASINs that I want to test. Then I'm going to have to go and purchase those items. That's going to take a little bit of time. But at that time, I'm going to wait for them to come in. And that may be a week or 10 days, depending on what time of year it is. Maybe a week or 10 days. So there's there's the first week at least. Then I'm going to get them in and I'm going to wait for a few of those to gather so that I can put them all into a box together. That's going to be another week at least, maybe 10 days. Then I'm going to send them to Amazon. That's going to take a week from to ship them from my place to Amazon. Amazon might take another week to receive. So there are going to be several weeks before that first shipment really goes through all the process and becomes available for sale where you can expect sale. Now, do they happen? Do sales happen before that time? Absolutely. But I'm not going to get paid until Amazon actually ships that item to the customer. It's not going to go into my account. So think about how long it takes to get those first ones in. Might be eight to 10, 10 weeks, yeah, especially. There are a couple of things there. When it when you send it, like when it leaves your UPS store or the UPS mm-hmm. guy comes to your house, gal, picks <laughs> and picks it up, takes it away. We're talking about, you know, probably seven days to get to the fulfillment center. The mm-hmm. the first one, assuming mm-hmm. that we're not experiencing any shipping delays, then Amazon is going to take those items Sometimes they'll put they'll put them all basically on sale as soon as they mm-hmm. receive them. But Most some of them, they're not going to be available. They're not going to be in that prime window. Right. Right. They'll show it as available to a client three or four weeks into the future. Mm-hmm. And so when we are talking about eight to 10 weeks, yeah, you might get some of them right. A, a couple of, let's say you sent in six, one of or two of them might be technically available um, within two weeks. The rest of them are on a truck somewhere going to their mm-hmm. final destination. Very and while people can purchase them during that that time frame, they're not in, until they get in the prime window, that can take the full length of time, right? The yeah. full length of time, which is what we're saying, eight to ten weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and I wanted to add to that, and 
this is something that Jim's been teaching us as well. It's probably, I believe that the customer is going to be more apt to buy the one that's quicker available than the one that's less expensive in most cases. Yes, you're right. And mm -hmm. this is why you can sell above the buy box. That's right. That's right. So there's a little bonus as okay. well. I got a couple of bonuses. Right. All right. So <laughs> what's next? One? So um, talk about consistency here. I think okay. you know consistency key is one of yes. these words. Brian that, likes that the word, the new made up word by Brian Olson. Consistency key. <laughs> but <laughs> why, why is consistency important in your inbound transfer in your with your shipments? So here's what happens, Brian. If you're not consistent, you're going to see a lull. If I send in a shipment every week, every week, every week for eight to 10 weeks, then all of a sudden I'm going to start selling items every week, every week, every week for the next however long I'm consistent in sending in. But if I'm sporadic and I send in a few this week and then I, then I go on vacation and then I come back a couple of weeks later, I send in some more. I, even if I send in you know twice as many because I was on vacation, I'm still going to see a lull during the time that I would have seen those sales. Uh, those items that that I shipped in mm -hmm. that second week. Mm -hmm. So if you're sporadic on your shipments, expect to be sporadic on your sales. That's the only way you can control sporadic that. results. Yes, exactly. So, so when I first started coaching, I, I put in this visual into a presentation that I was giving to mm -hmm. my coaching clients in that first um, session, and it was this picture of a an old school water pump, yes. like out on the farm, right? That you have to like. Pump this pump the well. Thing, pump the yeah, the well. And you have to pump it, you know, five, six, seven times before yeah. any water starts coming out, right? right? And if we pretend like those are weeks, that's mm -hmm. kind of the same thing with with uh where we might expect to see results from Amazon. And then if we take a couple of uh pumps off, if we if we know we're just trying to get consistent water out of the pump, but we take like three or four pumps off, we know that there's gonna be a lull in the water that is coming out of the spigot as well. Right. And this is the Amazon beast, right? This is the rhythm of the beast that you start to get in tune with eventually, but consistently sending in shipments is going to ensure that there's consistent water coming out of that spigot. That's right. If you stop pumping that pump, even for a minute, and the water runs through the cycle, you're going to have to start all over. It's not just one pump and you get more water anymore. You got to start pumping a few and get that pump primed before you can get more water. And the other thing about that is when you do one pump, well, let's call that a shipment, right? Okay. If you do one shipment, it's not like you're getting all of that, you know, the return in terms of money back from that shipment in the, in the equal amount of time. Like, oh, I sent a shipment in and in four weeks, I'm getting all my money back. It doesn't work that way because of the things we were just talking about. Items get separated out. They get put on trucks. They're going to different parts of the country. You're going to sell those things gradually, mm -hmm. you know, over eight, 10, 12 weeks, not turn around and sell everything as soon as it gets, you know, to the fulfillment center or within a four week time frame. That's exactly right. And, and that's why you have to prime the pump mm -hmm. and keep it primed. If you stop pumping, the water falls all back to the, to the well, and you have to pump yep. start all over and right. prime again. Yep. So it's going to take more weeks. Yep. All right, good. That's very true. So uh, the bonus one was, is it Q4? Oh, yeah. Right? So, so what, is it, what does it matter if it's Q4? Well, when, I, when my sales aren't 
picking up because my sales, because I haven't spent sending my shipments, but I've been consistent. Mm -hmm. One thing to remember is in Q4, often it takes a little longer. Some people only sell in Q4. Some people sell two, three, five times as much stuff in Q4. And so those people who are receiving items, they're, they are getting, they're going through a lot of boxes, a lot of shipments every day. And so sometimes it takes just a little bit more. Yeah. Remember Amazon has to go hire. I think it, I heard it was 250,000 seasonal workers wow. in Q4 just to handle the, the increased amount of, in, of products coming into their uh, centers and the products going out of their centers. So there is a ton more activity happening in Q4. Yes. There's a reason it's called Black Friday. A mm -hmm. lot of retailers make their year, yes. right? Tur turn their turn their books from red to black um, on that day. And um, this is because this is when a lot of money is being spent. So um, just be prepared. If it's Q4, it can take a little bit longer for your stuff to be ready and available for sale. Right. So all of this means we need to remember that profit margins can be higher. Nope. That's the next one. <laughs> oh, no, no. We need. <laughs> Sorry. We need to remember... He moved the, the notes on me. Apologize. Plan your work. If you plan your work and you work your plan, you'll get the results you expected. Uh -huh. Just be patient. It may take a little bit longer. Yep. All right. Great. All right. Here are three ways to quickly improve your profit margins by 5% or more. Okay. Ready for this? Lower your inbound transportation costs by adding box filler items or sending more items per shipment. Mm -hmm. Number two. Lower your returns and refunds by right packing your par your products. And number three, purchase more while doing online arbitrage to lower or eliminate your supplier shipping costs. Oh, that all that sounds very interesting, Brian. Tell us more about that. First, you said we were going to lower our inbound shipping shipments mm -hmm. by adding box filler. Mm -hmm. What is box filler? So I have, uh, as you can tell, I'm a little uh, froggy today in my throat, <laughs> and I and I, Robin bought me these little uh, cough drops, Halls. Uh, sugar-free mentholiptus flavor. They're like Tic Tac size. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a tiny like, little box. I've never seen it There's before, 24 but. cough drops in here. And like, I don't even know how much it weighs, but uh, not, much. not much at all. And now it came in a in a blister pack, like on a card, mm -hmm. um, but it was very small, very light. It costs like what, I don't five have bucks any or something idea. like that. The point though, is if you can add a lot of these things, not even a lot, if you can go through and add, I don't know, 10, 12 units like this to your inbound transportation, in so a, what would that be? Lipsticks? Oh, yeah. Lip, lipsticks, mascara, gum, gum, cough drops, chapsticks, toothpicks. toothpicks. Think of anything that's really small. It doesn't even have, necessarily have to cost a lot. Stitch markers if you're knitter, knitter. Yes, <laughs> right. Anything that is really small and doesn't take up much room. Right. So we, one of our favorite things to do was when we're shipping stuff in is, uh, you know, we would have like usually like three or three locations that we're sending stuff to right. we talked a little bit about that last week. And, you know, one box may have like, you know, 14 items in it and it cost me $17 to mm -hmm. ship it. Mm -hmm. Well, I can add 10 really light things like this to the box. Mm -hmm. And now I've got, uh, what did I say? You had 14, 17 okay. items in there. Now I've got 27 items in there and I'm basically paying the same amount of shipping. So I'm able to defray my transportation costs over more units. So each item now, gets a higher margin. Exactly. So now when I look at each item in terms of what is my inbound transportation, maybe it was, you know, a dollar and a quarter before I did this. After I added 10 of these things, now maybe it's 60 cents. Right? Even if you're not making it much profit at all on those little items. Exactly. Even yes. if I'm not making much profit at all, 
In fact, we often take break even on these little things we if would. they move fast enough, right? If they move quickly enough, just because I'm increasing my uh, profit on the my other items by what did I just say? 60 cents an item. Yes. Right? That's awesome. Makes a difference. Yeah, that can actually help a lot. Mm-hmm. Also, send more units per shipment. Now, this is ah. easier said than done, especially when you're just getting started, right? But if you're sending in, uh, if your shipment has 24 items in it and Amazon's sending it, splitting that up to three different locations, you're going to pay more to get a handful of those items to the, you know, the odd locations. This right. just, this just part, we talked about this last week because part of the, part of the pain of doing business on Amazon. But if you now, instead of having 24 units, have 124 units split between three different locations. Mm. Now we're going to take advantage of the scale of shipping. So what do I do just to send t- 10 more, 10 times more in each ASIN? No, this oh, is not an excuse no. <laughs> to go inch uh, wide a mile deep, right? Ah. You know, it solves that problem. More ASINs. More ASINs. Go get some more more ASINs. ASINs. Yeah. Not yeah. deeper. Not, not deeper in what you got. Right. Right. Yeah. Good. What else is there? Um, lower your returns and refunds by right packing. What do you mean by right packing your items? Right packing your items. Okay. So lower your returns and refunds. So um, let's talk about returns first of all. Well, returns and refunds, we'll just call them the same thing. Okay. If you're sending in a box of cookies to mm-hmm. uh, into FBA mm-hmm. or a bag of cookies, let's let's we all know what those like uh, uh, bag a tray of Oreo cookies looks like, okay. right? Yes, it's got that very thin cellophane paper around it. It is packaged in plastic, but the top of those cookies is not protected at all. No. Now you could just ship them to Amazon like that. Put a little sticker on them. You could even put them in a poly bag. Put a sticker on it and go. And by the time those those products get to the customer, they're going to be crushed. Yes. And because what is Amazon going to do? They're not going to probably put it in a box. They're going to put it in a padded envelope. Mm-hmm. And now the customer is going to complain and you're going to get a refund. So what do we do? So what we do is take those items, right? Pack them, put them in a box. Mm. Okay. Oh, I can put an individual item in a box you that can, goes to the customer. You can absolutely put those items in a box. Now you're going to have a marginal increase in cost to make that happen, Yes. but you won't get the entire refund as a result. Yes. Okay. The other thing I like to do is improve the unboxing experience. Okay. Yeah. It's one thing to just put something in a box. So let's say you're putting, uh, it was a six pack, you know, multi-pack of something and you just put all things in, in, in the box and taped it closed and put your, you know, do not separate or sold as a set sticker on there and, and uh, your FN SKU label on there. Right. Upgrade that a little bit. Maybe give it a little more white glove experience for very, very little cost. And what I mean by this is, Maybe you put all those items into a poly bag that's nicely packaged inside the box and then taped close. Mm-hmm. So the things inside the box aren't just rattling around loosely yes. in there, right? So mm-hmm. think about ways that you can upgrade. Sometimes a tissue paper can yes, do the same a thing. Tissue paper could make a difference. We have to keep in mind what is actually going to scale. Right. right. Sometimes it's not feasible to tissue, you know paper every sure. single box of the 300 units that you're sending in. Um, but adding one more step, such as putting in a poly bag before you put it in a box can go a long way to making sure that your customer doesn't complain and ask for a refund. Agreed. Agreed. I like that. So one other thing about that is right packaging your products. We talk about items sitting in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. It can get dusty, even if they're there for a very short period of time. Yes. Ask us how we know. We live in a, an apartment complex in downtown Denver. Mm-hmm. The parking garage is covered and secured. It's got garage doors and everything mm-hmm. on it. And yet there is always dust, always dust always. on top of all the cars. Like you can tell a car that hasn't moved in a long time because it's got this, you know, layer <laughs> of dust on. Yes. And, and that can happen in a, in a fairly short amount of time in just a couple of weeks. So keep in mind that your items 
may experience the same thing in an Amazon warehouse. So the last thing you want is to ship something in in a box that is gets covered with um, dust and stuff like that. And then it gets put into potentially a, a padded envelope or a box mm-hmm. and then sent to the customer and the customer gets it and it's all dusty. Not as good of an experience as right. if the item was in a poly bag. It gives this, this feeling of cleanliness because it is clean. I agree. I have many clients ask me that question. Should I put this in a poly bag, even though there are no requirements for packaging on this listing? And I say, when in doubt, do. I I default to poly bag at least almost all the time because of that very reason. Mm-hmm. I don't want that customer to get the actual package of cookies in this case without some protection between that package and the dust yep. or whatever could happen. Exactly. People touching and yeah, those things. Mm-hmm. So uh, purchase more while doing OA to lower or lim- eliminate supplier shipping. How how does that help us? So we see this a lot when we're doing online arbitrage. Mm-hmm. Um, when we go to order something, if we order a minimum amount, then we will get free shipping. Mm-hmm. Sometimes or when we're just testing. Sometimes when we're sending in a test or when we don't, they a, don't have enough or we're not going to, we want to make sure our order gets through. And so we're ordering a lesser quantity or whatever, then sometimes that will pay a shipping cost for that. Mm-hmm. If you're testing fine, just know that if you're going to replenish that item, you can probably get to the free shipping part. So I wouldn't count those shipping costs in your cost of goods to determine your overall profitability. Right. But one thing that you can do is find other items, other ASINs, maybe it's a small and light mm-hmm. thing like mm-hmm. this. Maybe it's a whole other, you know, profitable ASIN from that same source. Something that will, else you're going to test. Yeah. Another item that you're going to test that will allow you to meet that minimum threshold so that you can get free shipping. From that same supplier. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I do mention that a lot of times too. The best thing I think to do is what you just said. If I'm only testing and I'm only going to buy three or four of those items for a test, but I have to pay shipping unless I buy some more. My answer to that is, find another item from that supplier that you can test. Yep, exactly right. Yeah, I like All right. that. So remember, your profit margins can be higher um, if you can find ways to increase or improve your shipping costs. Yes, that's very good. Yeah. Brian, do you have a quote for us today? I do. I, what would it be? What would the podcast episode be if I didn't have a quote? <laughs> we're getting things used up, to right? it. We yes. like, we, we're starting to like the quotes. I think I am anyway. I hope everybody else is. It's great one. Quote I love today? them all. This is a good one, though. Success is not final. Hmm. failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts. Oh, who said that? Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. Famous words from Winston Winston Churchill. And I I just want to break this down and kind of talk about each of these parts very quickly. Okay. Okay. Success is not final. We know that achieving success, success can be fleeting. Success can be temporary. Success is something that it's addictive. It's a journey, right? You're finding little wins along the way. It's not yes. like this plateau that you get to and you say, oh, okay, I'm successful. I'm all done. Yes. Right? That's true. It reminds me of like some of the favorite songs that you might have. Mm. Okay. That the way that that song strikes you, it's so good in that moment because it's different from anything else that you may have heard. Mm-hmm. But if you heard that song over and over and over every day, day after day after day, month after month and year after year, it wouldn't be as meaningful to you. It wouldn't be as impactful to you as it is when it does strike you like that. And you're like, oh gosh, I really love this part of the song or I love the song, mm-hmm. right? Right. So okay. success is not final. There are multiple iterations of success. You find success in one thing, you move, you find success in something else, 
right? It's not a destination. It's absolutely a journey. I think that's very true. Failure is not fatal. We've been talking about this a lot. That's good to remember. Yeah. As an evolution of our culture, Mm -hmm. that failure is much more acceptable and even encouraged these days. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the old days, maybe, you know, a failure of a business, you maybe were treated as an outcast if you had a failed business. Right. Today, we encourage, especially in more capitalistic societies, failure Mm -hmm. in order to find success. Yes. And, you know. It's part of the journey. 80 years ago. Mm-hmm. 75 years ago, however long ago it was, Winston Churchill's preaching the same stuff, which is yes. awesome. Failure is not fatal. In fact, it's probably the best way to ensure success. Mm. And then it's the courage to continue that counts. Absolutely. Absolutely. Courage to continue. And sometimes it takes real courage, but if we build up our courage and take that next step forward, often it makes it easier to take the next one, just like it was to start with. Just like it was when we primed that pump the first time. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to prime it again, but have the courage to move forward. Yep. I love it. So we talked about a few things today. Maybe if all of these things don't apply to you, or if you're not finding them applicable at this moment, you know what solves that problem? More Aces. More Aces. All right. More Let's go get some more Aces. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Talk, Talk to you soon. soon. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.